This week on the podcast, we talk about some interesting builds and how you explain D&D to a lamest. It's quite simple. You just tell them to listen to 93 episodes of this show. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and uh, welcome back to another episode of We Speak Common, proudly brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon UK, where as of today, you can head over to their brand new spanking website, which we'll talk a little bit about later, and read a fun little article that Joe and I wrote. We'll tell you more about that later too, and their fantastic new sets of resin dice about halfway through the episode. For now though, Joe, you alright mate? How you doing? Benjamin, I'm doing uh, very well. Um, I mean, you say we both wrote it, basically... You know, you you wrote it and then I critiqued it and then you wrote it again <laughs> and then I critiqued it. I, I was more of an editor in this. Yeah, you were in, like the editor in this yeah, instance. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but to be fair, it's got a lot of your ideas in it too. So, mm-hmm. no, you know, it was good. It was a. It, I think it came out quite nice in the end, uh, which is. I can't remember what we said, so I'm looking forward to rereading it. Yeah. No, I have absolutely zero memory of the content. So um, to be fair, we we did write it. Oh, I wrote it a while back. We got must have been like two months ago. We just prepped like that, you know. What I mean, we got content in the bag. Yeah. It's not like we yeah. record this show every week with mere days to go before publication. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Not even no. a little bit. No. Um, listen, I'm going to apologise in advance because uh, the nature of our unedited rambles, I will probably blow my nose and sneeze a few times. My hay fever is killing me today. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Sorry about that, if you hate the noise of snot ejecting from your nostrils, but it's going to happen. I mean, I feel that's a large portion of the audience would hate that, but but probably, I probably. Um, am also feeling like I'm dying. Um, I don't think oh, it's maybe. the COVID, but uh, could be, could be, who knows? Well, I don't, I don't recommend getting a test. I did it twice, wasn't fun. Um, no. So... So, you know, I mean, I mean, if you think you've got symptoms, get tested. But if you don't, don't bother. It's not a fun experience. No, well, I just went through like two weeks of just I've never had like I've never been physically ill by stress before. Yeah. But I went oh, through okay. like I went through two weeks of pro- probably the most stressful two weeks and the most stressful three days of my life by, by bar none. Really, it was mm-hmm. basically the entire rest of my life hinged on these three days. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, went through it. All went well. Got the results I needed. So that was great. Um, but now I feel like the body has said, uh, no, no, we are, we're shutting down for a little while. My sweet summer child, I I get stress sick so often. Yeah. Especially, to be fair, like my last, the last two years of my life have just been the build up to my company being closed down. So like... It's been it's been so stressful, mate. I cannot wait to not be stress ill. Yeah, Ben, but you get stressed out about everything, mate. You need you I need to chillax more, you know. I do. I'm a very I'm very stressed. Save your stress for the stressed. you know the real the, the big stresses. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Dungeons and Dragons or. Yeah, let's let's stock. I'm starting to get a bit of a heart palpitation. Let's talk about Dindy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into our our main topic of today. Um, ben from Dice Dungeon. Um, we've got a nice little Discord chat with Ben and Dave. And it's mostly like, us just lobbying to get our own image our and own faces on their yeah. products. Um, it's not. It's oh, been unsuccessful mate, should, as of yet, but you never know. We should give them that idea. We should tell them to make a set of dice with just images of our face on the 20 side. I mean... <sighs> face reveal? Sure. <laughs> That's one way to do it, certainly. <laughs> That's not going to happen. But anyway, um, Ben did ask... Uh, for us for a topic and i thought you know what that's a pretty good one and it's a good little starter to an episode so he said uh, a topic i'd like to see you guys talk about by the way is how to explain D to people who don't play and don't have a gaming background e.g like a mum and dad the classic response is oh so you just pretend or but how do you win so i think that's a pretty good it's a pretty good one to hit because i i I mean, I think I've got it down, and I and I know you've got a good way of doing it. And as someone who has brought in a lot of new players into our table, I think I'm qualified to answer this. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's definitely a tricky one, because it really is wholly unique. So it, it's got a lot of moving components. I mean, how, how do you do it, Ben? What's your, your go-to? 
so usually I will, and, I, and I'm not going to, so I, I have my way and I, I've adopted, adopted your way into it. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to tell it without your way, but I usually would say, okay, um, we're going to tell a story, but you are just your character and I am everyone else. And together we tell the story, but then there are dice and statistics and that's the game part. That was like, that's like my, my normal, like my, uh, what's the word? Like my, not like my elevator pitch, but that's where I start. And then they usually look at me like, I don't get it. And <laughs> I say, well, let's say for example, and then I go into your, your explanation, um, which usually then gets them to the point where they kind of understand how it works. If I ever get an asked a why or a how, I will usually go into, I'll usually start off by saying, well, if you really want to know. I can give you the long explanation and then they'll either go, no, nah, I'm all right. Or they'll go, yeah, okay, tell me more. Um, and that, then, then I know they're interested so I can actually explain it. And I'll tell them like, I'll give them an example from a game. I'll tell them about, you know, a, an epic story that we've had mm. or, or I'll tell them about like heartbreak or, or a session that was really meaningful. And I'll say, you know, we have these, these games and we have these characters and we, we, we are so invested in them that it's kind of like watching an episode of TV, but you're, you're actually writing it there and then. And then they kind of get it. Yeah, that's pretty decent. For me, I I basically start with an example, right? And I I I basically jump into playing D and D, a very abridged, basic version of it. There, so this is this is of yours that I use. Yeah, this is what I've taken. They're on the spot. So if they say, "Oh, what is it?" Blah blah blah. I know I can. I might give like a very a real brief explanation, right? And then they'll generally be like, mm, "I don't get it." So I'll be like, "Okay, so." I'm basically, I'll basically be like, okay, imagine you're reading a book, but you are a character in the book who has agency, and me, as the DM, I'm just facilitating those decisions. So I'll be like, okay, imagine you're in a room. You can There's a window. You can see outside. It's pretty dark. You can see trees. There's thunder going on. Uh, there's a, a table and chairs in front of you. There's a book on the table, it looks like, and... Uh, a door single door out of this room what do you do in this situation and generally they'll say i go and pick up the book or i go and open the door and i'll be like okay you go and open the door it it's it's uh it seems to be budged it might give but you're gonna have to put some force in it what do you do and i sort of lead them into saying you know i kick it down or i bash it and i'm like okay well i don't really know how strong your character is on you you know you could say you're really strong, but because it's a game, we want to we want to find out, right? There needs to be some potential for success or failure. So, I'm like, okay, maybe we could flip a coin here. And heads, you knock the door down; tails, you don't. In D and D, you would roll dice, and a certain number that I decide, depending on how difficult it is to kick this door down, would be what you need to hit for you to hit knock it down. And I'd be like, if you have a particularly strong character, this roll would actually be easier for you because you could add numbers onto your total. Uh, and I'll be like, okay, you kick the door down. And then there's a forest. And I'll be like, okay, you just played D&D. &D. That's it. You've, yeah. you've played the game. And they're like, whoa. And I'm like, and they're like, and then normally they go, yeah, but what if I went out the window? I'll be like, that was an option. You could have gone out the window. <laughs> yeah. And then their mind so this, slowly begins to just look implode on itself at this point. This is what I use. I usually go for, I don't even give the book. I'm just like, okay, you're in a room. There's no wind, you know, there's a door. How are you going to get out? They say, well, I'm going to open the door. And I say, well, it's locked. They say, well, I'm going to like pick the lock i'm like cool you'd roll a dice you get a good number you've done it you get a bad number you haven't done it that's D, &D. and i think that that's a really good way to give someone with no like no knowledge at all of what the game is understanding of it but it doesn't answer that question of well how do you win or what's the point i think if you're if you're given that question and luckily i've never really been given that question i think once i've been told i've been asked how do you win mm. and i think my answer is well it's a group experience, so you play with other people who are in your party, and you together work together to overcome the problems and get to the end of the story. And um, you know, you quote unquote win by being successful in the story. You know, killing the evil person if it's a standard trope, but it's not that simple. There is no like, I get a high score and I win, and that's what makes it beautiful. And I generally say like, well, how do the characters win in a book or a show they win by achieving their goals doing what they set out to do whether that be 
make wealth, create relationships, etc. And I said that's pretty much how you win in D&D. You win by achieving what your character wants to achieve. But oftentimes, uh, even if you don't quote-unquote win doing that, you're still having fun along the way because you're playing with lots of other people. And then this is where I bring in, it's like, and also there's generally like three other people doing the same thing at the same time. And you can talk to them. And then it's kind of like that, that really cheesy. Well, the real winners are the ones who (laughs) played the game, but it really is like that, isn't it? (laughs) Like you don't have to achieve anything to have a good time. No, you certainly can lose though. You definitely can lose. And it's, yeah. it's generally through some sort of mind flayer type incident is generally how it goes that would cause Joe, I you just, to I lose. Just, I want you to know that I caused the death of another player last week. Well, so. I, I'm glad it's evening out and you know my, someone's catching up to my high score of death. I wasn't even the DM. I was I was the player. Who who'd have thought that driving an infernal war machine at four dragons was not a good idea? Who died? Was it Wesley's character? No, it was Grace's character. Oh, so what? You've knocked off two characters now, have you? In that game, um, kind of. So I killed Wesley's character. Yep, that that okay. definitely counts as a death. I outrightly, I outrightly fireballed him, um, because we were having a disagreement, and then he uh, he made a deal with a devil to come back to life. But the devil is my patron, so he's really just done himself over <laughs> more by agreeing to that, um, and then. Uh, but he's now he's lost his memories, so we're trying to get his memories back now. So we're kind of friends at the moment. Um, and then to get his memories back, we had to go and uh, find this person, this this Imperian called Aldrak, who um, can't leave a certain area. He tried to kill Tiamat. <laughs> oh. Nice one, mate. <laughs> oh. You know. So he's been cursed by Tiamat to be stuck in this one place of the Nine Hells unless he spills her blood on the ground. Like that's the that's the prophecy so he has to get a bit of her blood and just like drop it on the floor basically you don't have to kill her he just has to spill her blood so we were like right okay we'll we'll go and get some of Tiamat's blood that's easy um but it turns out uh, a character that i think a lot of people will be familiar with arkin the cruel mm-hmm. uh, he wears a vial of Tiamat's blood around his neck so we were like right okay we'll go and find him and we'll ask him for her blood simple you know but on approach to the, the Tiamat's chosen fortress uh there's lots of dragons and four young dragons attacked us so we were like well maybe they won't like they started flying at us and we were like well maybe they're just coming to check us out because you know they're the guards so we'll we'll keep approaching you know it's it's the dragon goddess's temple we'll uh there's gonna be dragons the black one started attacking us um but we managed to kill it you know we're, we're level eight at this point um we mm. nearly died but we managed to kill it and then then the green one started coming at us and we were like so we turn the Infernal War Machine around. And we've got a teleporter. We can teleport 300 feet away once a day. So we use that to get really far away. Start healing up. And we're like, you know, this was all me. I was I was driving. I was like, I'm going to teleport us away 300 feet. That seems like a smart thing to do. Get away from the dragon, you know? Sure. Uh, I mean, sounds we... reasonable. Turns out that was the wrong thing to do. We got 300 feet away. We started healing up. And then we were like, do you know what? We can take it. We can do this. So we started driving back towards them. Um, Started, you know, doing the thing. No, see, we Ben, nearly... it sounds like that's when you made the wrong decision. <laughs> <laughs> we started, you know, we were doing quite well. We nearly killed the green one, and then the blue and the red one started breathing on us at the same time, and that's when both myself and Grace's characters went unconscious. Um, you know, two failed death saves each. Wesley's there with no memories, not sure what to do, you know. And then the white dragon turns up, the, the ancient white dragon, with um, Kroll, the epic turtle on his back who uh told the other dragons to stop doing what they were doing he came over and healed me so that i would stop the infernal war machine from driving because obviously i'm like slumped over the driver's seat (laughs) so i was only brought back to life because i was in the right position grace died um you know so i felt a bit guilty but we brought her back to life because you know uh ark and the cruel a a level 20 paladin barbarian can do that um but it cost us the thing that we were trading for the blood, so it was a uh, was it was a whole to do, to be honest. But you know, so she's alive, but yeah, also indefinitely mad. I find I find that's almost an even more cruel way a lot of the time for players because when when you kill a character, especially one a, a player really cares about, like it sucks, it's terrible, yeah. 
It's really, really yeah. bad. Um, but it at the same time, it's also an opportunity for them to like try out a new build or do this or that, right? Or do something fresh and and come at it from like a new sort of even playing field, clean slate approach. But when you kill a character, but then you say, mm, okay, okay, we'll bring them back, but we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll give them lots more problems. Now it's like it's now like it's now it's like you're torturing them, you know? Yeah. Um. This is not the opportune time to stop you from talking about death, but Phoebe's just brought a plate of food into the room. <laughs> oh, nice. So, what have you got? Give me a second. What have you I got? No, what have I got, babe? What have you bought me? <laughs> For a very professional outfit on this this podcast, we uh, once oh upon a time God. back in the day we would have cut this sort of thing, but um, yeah, we're not cutting this. There's so much food here, Joe. We're well beyond striving <laughs> really for a higher through. high degree of quality. So I oh. I, I apologise on both oh, behalf Joe. of myself and and Ben, but um. Anyway, no, sorry, we were talking about torturing us. our players. Yes, we were, Ben, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were. I'm just, I'm going to eat curry while we talk about killing people. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, I think it's just the, uh, it's certainly the more interesting and the more cruel thing to do to give the players. I mean, you can chuck in a bit of madness, that's always fun. But I generally like to uh, just make something harder for them, right? So, or cost them, or hit it where it hurts, generally in their coin purse. And, uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. So we we needed this blood because we need to get Wesley's character's memories back. So we were like, well, what what else can we do for you, Mister Archon the Crawl? I mean, no one's good who's got a name like that, are they? To uh, to to get you to give us this blood. And he said, well, I need the the life of a pure creature, a pure, a ver- the, the purest of all pure creatures. Turns out that um, having the hand of Fechner attached to you doesn't do good things to your body. So. Um, we have Lulu the Hollyphant with us, who is a uh, an important NPC in Descent into Avernus, and she is from Mount Celestia. She is a pure creature, so she was willing to sacrifice herself, and we we obviously said no because we're quite attached to her now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, how does James, our DM, really nail in the fact that we're evil? And I am evil. I'm lawful evil. How does he really send that message home? He has us go and find a a unicorn. The yep. only unicorn in I the knew, I knew it was going to be you. What's the unicorn doing down there in the first place? It was trapped by Tiamat, I think, or someone, I can't remember who. No, Azariel, um, into a machine that sucks out its essence and kills demons. Oh. Because obviously the blood laws are, blood, blood wars are a thing, innit? Mm-hmm. So we went and freed it, and uh, I went to go and grab it by the reins, and James was like, it, it moves away from you. Like, it, it, it physically doesn't want to be near you. And I was like, well, thank you. Thank you, James. Appreciate that one. Really, really sending that home. Um, but, of course, the other two, Drell is a blank slate, and Yeruvian isn't really a bad person. So um, it would it would talk to them. Turns out its name is Moon Colour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like, great. Yeah, I can't hear any of the telepathic communication, because, again, evil. Um you know, I'm sitting there saying, guys, just don't talk to it, all right? We're sending this unicorn to <laughs> Don't, don't, don't humanise it. Let's, let's, let's not make it any worse. But of course they start asking it questions. You know, why are you down here? What was your life like before? You know, why, why would you do this to us? You know, um, and then they tell it what we're going to do with it. It's just, it's just the unicorns <laughs> using, like, hostage survival techniques. You know literally, what I mean? It's like, literally. it's like, my name is John. I have a son, a daughter, a wife. You know, I love them so very anyway, much. You know, we get this unicorn back to Archon Crawl. And Lulu, the Hollyphant's having conversations with it the whole time, too. And just as he raises the withered hand of Vecna to suck away its life force, Lulu casts banishment on it and sends it back to Mount Celestia. Oh, and that's where we ended the session. So now we're gonna she's we're gonna have to lose Lulu, huh? Yeah, it looks like Lulu's gonna not long for this world. In my defence, I was under a Gaia spell, so I had to do it. You know, I had to go and get that unicorn. I mean, if that's what you tell yourself, you know, it would have killed I... me. It literally would have killed me if I didn't do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I am evil, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I feel like you're looking for justification that I just, I, I just can't give you in this one, you know. Uh, so you're just gonna uh-huh. have to, you have to live with Grace. That Grace Blesser, who hasn't played D and D for that long, was like, "Why is it so bad that it's a unicorn?" And I was like, "Grace, you literally don't get 
a, a more good creature than a unicorn in D&D. Like, this, there is nothing. <laughs> oh, Galahad so wants a unicorn so bad. Mate, it'll happen one day. Oh, they're so cool. And they, if you read the lore and stuff, they show up when you have like a, a divine cause or a just... Yep. Um, I think Pegasus's do something similar as well. Uh, so he's just... It's almost more symbolic for Galahad. It's like, yeah, unicorn, great to have, super handy. But it's more like, a, you know, he's got so many doubts. He just wants to know he's on the right path. And he just <laughs> wants a unicorn to tell him that, you know? Personally, I think that a unic- uh, a Pegasus is cooler than a unicorn because it's just a unicorn with wings, man. Yeah, but the unicorn, like, has spells and stuff and can do cool things. Um, so, so they're pretty cool. There's that other creature as well. Oh, that it's like a, it's like another horse thing, but it can fly. It's super powerful. It's like CR eighteen or something. I can't another remember. horse thing. You know what I mean? Damn, I can't remember what it's called. It's like a, it's like a mega super good horse thing. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what it's all about. I have no idea what creature you're talking about. Oh, oh hang, on, hang on. Do you want to, Do you want to hear the crunch of this? Uh, this spring roll. I mean, the quality of this show has devolved, so... Mate, not? it's great. It's like a lunch day. I love it. Here we go. You ready? Oh, that was a crunchy... You know, wow. That was... Mm. Uh, that was impressive. Mm. Um, maybe anyway, maybe, maybe one of the audience can tell us, because, like, I feel... Like, look, it's like a mega super great horse thing-ish. It's super high CR, I believe. It's, like, really powerful and stuff. That's all the and info course, you need. The evil version is the nightmare. They're very cool. Yes, they are very cool. But you know, they're, they're, it's basically mandatory to have a death knight on it if you're going to have a nightmare. Mm. Um, if you're going to have any mount, what would it be? Would it be a unicorn? No, it would be a silver dragon wormling because I know it's basically the only one that's actually okay, well, possible to get as a mount. I was, I was. I was thinking more realistically, but okay. Because what you do... No, it is realistic, Ben. You How? Get, you get ninth level spells. Right. You uh, summon your um, find familiar, right? Mm-hmm. Or find greater familiar. I think you might have to be find greater. Uh, and then you use true polymorph on it. Now, you can only polymorph something into the same CR or, or up to the maximum CR. So you're... I believe you. it's like CR three or four, maybe, for your... Um, might even be CR2 for your find greater steed. And then right. you just turn that, which will probably be a Pegasus, into a silver dragon wormling, which is the best dragon you can get at that CR. And then it's just there forever until it dies. And actually, when it gets to zero hit points, it will just turn back into a Pegasus or whatever it was before. So I love how much you thought. No, wait, true polymorph. I thought they don't turn back if they die. Uh, no, they, they, become, d- they become that creature. Yeah, but I think if you still, I believe it's, it's especially if they're polymorphed for a certain amount of time, they're stuck as that creature. I believe. True. I don't know if they ball. when they hit zero though, if they still turn back or not. I think it's just that just removes the time constraint of normal polymorph, which is obviously an hour. I can't remember, but I just know that's possible. So I would have have that. It's a pretty. That's an awesome amount. They're very very quick as well. And I love how much you've thought about that. Yeah, of course, of course. Ben. Well, look, we started this episode talking about how to explain D and D, and we, I think we've proved that we don't know how because we've gone very off track, <laughs> very far away from from explaining it. Um, but hopefully, uh, that that kind of helps Ben out. It, it's just tricky to do. Yeah, I mean, we, let's just talk builds and stuff, Ben, because we 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 actually know about those things to some well, degree. Look, before we do that, before we fire into a new topic i think this is a good point to uh to talk about the dice dungeon a little bit mm-hmm. seeing as we failed to uh to answer his his question we might as well promote his product um <laughs> I mean, it's only fair i suppose it's only, it is fair. only fair um so the dice dungeon is uh well a very very nice place in the uk uh on the internet that gives you options of dice to buy shipped from the uk and they on Wednesday last week launched their mm-hmm. no wait Wednesday two weeks ago when this episode comes out launched their brand new uh, website which I've got to say is very sleek and just wonderful and ah fresh, uh, chef kisses wonderful very mm-hmm. nice website um and alongside the launch of that website came 
their brand new resin dice line. So obviously you can still buy your lovely crafted metal dice, which, as we know, Joe, always roll high. Always. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. It's not guaranteed, but, you know. Um, you know, I feel like it's it's all how you throw it, you know? Yeah, it's all in the rest. But if you look at those and you think, oh, I really want some metal dice, but I just can't quite afford it right now. I'm a bit, I'm a bit out of pocket, you know? COVID recession's coming on. What am I going to do? Oh, no. Sorry, or alternatively, all real. your dice are already metal. And uh, maybe, the, yeah, the, maybe sheer weight, the sheer weight and girth of the dice is actually fatiguing yeah, your, uh, your, about... your throwing potential. We have talked about the dice dungeon girth too much. And right? you're looking for a, a lighter, sleeker, leaner option. Yeah, if you want the younger, more sexy model. Um, um, no, just going just gonna <laughs> to put a hard no on that one, Ben. Um, okay. Well, look, they've got some really nice resin dice sets that are gorgeous. And you can go and look at them all now. They've had for their new website a 15% off um, nice little bonus. I'm not sure if that's still going to be running when you go... Uh, when this episode's out but if it is go and grab it and if not don't forget you can use the code we speak comment at checkout for 10% off there you go also our article is up today read it it's um it's a pretty good one you know what the content was okay you know it started out okay <laughs> but after you know a, 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 a sweeping edit it's become gold you know yeah okay you know what you. I mean yeah yeah, with with your input, it became amazing. Is that what you're saying? That's that's what I'm, I'm getting at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, it's uh, it's a little bit of a about us for anyone who finds it not through this podcast, but it also talks about what we have said multiple times is the most important aspect of of being a DM and and getting it right. So go and have a look. Go and check it out. Some real nice tips and tricks in there in written format. It is our first foray into written format. Joe. Oh, Ben, I just remembered what it's about. Did you? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh that's oh, nice, glad. isn't it? I'm glad you're with us. Uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> anyone who's listened to the show for any sort of extended period of time could mm. probably figure out. It's sort of the main point we continually hamper on about. Yeah, I think Pre- it's the one thing that, that that we have said is the most important thing. Yeah, numerous times, so there you go. And, and if you don't know what we're talking about, well, you're just going to have to go and read the article to find out. Look at that, hook and tease. Nice, skillful. Oh, it's almost as if i do this for a living Mm -hmm. yeah and weather and travel next okay (laughs) let's talk about um (laughs) let's talk about builds because you are i would say the optimizer of the party and i think you have infected me because not only have i become a little bit of a rules lawyer in my descent game um and every time james does something that's better for us as pl- as the group, I often say, "Well, technically, in the rules, we should be hard up here, James." So <laughs> I've, bec- I've become you, and I've actually planned my character build for that game. So nice, nice. I'm 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 sort of getting there. I'm joining well, you. Well, I like to think I'm a decent optimizer. I thought I was great, and then we had Triant Monk on, and I was like, "Okay, I've got a ways to go. I've got a <laughs> oh, ways to go." <laughs> That's um, how you do it, you know, because the man really knows the numbers. But, um, he really does. We need to get him on again to like really criticize our uh, our builds. Like we should I, just give him our character sheets and see what. He I thinks. mean, I did I did message him not too long ago. He said yeah, he was up for it. But um, you know, then the world fell apart. So uh, it did. It know, did. Fall I'm apart. sure we'll hopefully get around to that soon. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I just want to talk about some of the some of the fun ones, some of the ones I enjoy. I mean, obviously, right now I'm rocking a paladin. I'm rocking a rogue wizard. Um, I've got a fighter in another game, so I mean, <clears throat> my paladin is actually not really optimized, to be honest. Um, old Galahad, because I, I, for me, I just like he's going great weapon. Well, he's using a great weapon, yeah, but he doesn't have great weapon fighter because, uh, well, his stats weren't particularly amazing to begin with. I sort of had to get some ASIs in there, so. He will pick it up eventually, but it's not like a priority right now. And I don't think Great Weapon actually synergizes with Paladin all that much because they have so much offensive damage output from Smites anyway that the risk of <clears throat> missing an attack and not being able to Smite is doesn't offset the... or, or sort of does offset the damage bonus you would get from taking the power attack, the minus 5 to hit, plus 10 damage. I think 
on a build more like a fighter, uh, which has lots of attacks, but each attack is not necessarily that high a damage, having the plus 10 can really ma maximise your damage overall. But with a Paladin, where you're always only going to have two attacks as such, uh, I think it's, it's better to either go um, Sword and Shield, because then you can get 20 AC, which is really good, and you, I think on average, you're only losing like two points of damage per attack because you can do dueling, so you have the plus two damage to your attacks anyway from the dueling fighting style. So, <clears throat> great weapon is, for me, not really worth it unless you're using the power attack, but I just wanted Galahad to have a big sword. I didn't want him to use a shield, so it's not his style. So that's kind of why I went with it. So he's not necessarily the most optimised, but where that does work and where... I've got have got a really optimized awesome build is with Mifita who is currently level 19 at the moment almost about to get that fourth attack which is going to be juicy uh our uh, Uguay and uh he is a sharpshooter longbowman basically and he's not perfectly optimized but he's pretty damn close so the plan with him is basically get his to hit attack bonus as humanly high as possible. Now the best way to do that is to use um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. The oh yeah, the archery fighting style gives you a plus two to to hit, which basically means when you're using power attack, you're only really at a minus three, not a minus five, because you've got that plus two to offset it, right? Then uh, I've gone battle master with him, and he basically uses all his um, maneuvers on precision attack which right now he basically can roll a d12 after i've rolled my dice and add that to the to hit so if i roll my dice i think it's mm, probably not going to hit i can do that and generally that will put it over the line and then i power attack on every attack because he's got a plus three bow as well i think he's got a, a standard like a plus 16 to hit when he power attacks plus 11 so i basically always power attack do a minimum of 19 damage uh a maximum of like 25 or something uh and then if i do well once i get four attacks around it'd be insane but even now i can action surge twice per short rest six attacks around if they all hit i'm doing over 100 damage it's just the only way you could improve it is if i got rid of the longbow which i took mostly for aesthetics more than anything because the actual 600 foot range of it is generally not that useful most of the time. Uh, but if I swap that out for hand crossbow and got crossbow expert, then I could bonus action attack as well. Boom. Then that'd be seven attacks in a round. And then obviously once I get level 20, that'll be nine attacks in a round. So which... how many arrows are you shooting per second? If a round is <clears throat> six seconds? Well, uh, a lot so at level 20 if you did the hand crossbow one that would that would be nine attacks in a um a round and if you can actually if you want to maximize your attacks if you go samurai you can uh do an ability where you get advantage on all attacks for a round and then you can do another ability at the same time where on one of those attacks instead of rolling with advantage you get rid of the advantage but you roll twice still and each one of those is an individual attack. So I think that's one and a half attacks per second. Yeah, so then you could get, I believe, you cap out at ten attacks in a round. <laughs> so if you do all that, um, I don't know if it overlaps. With that That might be a bonus action issue there. I'd have to look it up. But if it doesn't overlap, that's ten attacks in a round. Yeah, almost two attacks per second. So you're just like... You're just fanning the hammer, if there was one, on that hand crossbow. So that's, yeah. a that's a really fun build. I mean, it's kind of boring because all you're doing is just attacking every round. But I just yeah. love the numbers. I just, you know, I, and I almost love that. I really like that it's guaranteed damage as well. Like you do, the fact that you don't actually roll for it, it's just plus 18 damage. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just like, it's crazy. And uh, It is crazy. I love it. It's, um... Really? It's fun to watch. It is. It is fun to be in that in that party watching. You just like I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot nine arrows per six seconds if that's okay with you all. And, and the and it just happens. I, I, and I do like the longbow as well for the odd time that 
you're, you're fighting a bunch of orcs or whatever and you beat them and they run away and then you just wait yeah. till one's like 590 feet away and then you just ping him with an arrow <laughs> you're like i'm like checking the wind you know <laughs> taking gauges uh looking out for the curvature of the earth on this mega shot so that's mm-hmm. That's a fun build. I mean, what about you, Ben? You've got a interesting build right now. I, I would say as well, though, just before we move on, that even though your Galahad, you say, isn't quite optimised, I still think he copes very well. I mean, he's a paladin, so you, you it, it's difficult to, to make a bad paladin, to be honest. Um, yeah. And he's Vengeance as well, which is one of the best subclass, probably only beaten by Conquest, I would say. Oh, fair, okay. Oh, my squeaky chair. It's going to annoy me in the edit. Um, so I'm running two uh, two characters at the moment that I think are built quite well. So I've got um, Orlo, my uh, War Mage, and he's level six at the moment. And he's doing okay for himself. So the bonus of War Mage is that you get to add your um, intelligence to your initiative. Now, he's already got maxed out intelligence, so he's at plus five there. So his initiative rolls are plus eight, which is pretty much, unless I roll really poorly, which does happen from time to time, he's guaranteed to be somewhere near the top of the initiative line. And, that, and for like for people who don't realise, as a wizard, that's actually very important because most oh, of your God, debilitating yeah. spells are friendly fire. So you need to activate them before the enemies come into a big melee with your party. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty now, key. We did, I think we did, uh, we did point by for his statistics at level one. And then, so I, I focused on intelligence. Now, luckily, did we point by, did we roll? No, I feel no, like, I, I feel think like, we rolled. I think we rolled. I think he, we rolled. I'm pretty yeah, sure, he, you know, yeah, because he's got beastly stats across the board. So yeah, he's done very well. So strength 16, dexterity 18, con 17, intelligence 20, wisdom 14, charisma 13. So we're looking at, all double figures, all plus modifiers, um, which is lovely. Bear in mind, this is at level six, so he's had a boost. Um, now, obviously, intelligence is your main is your main go to for wizards. So I've pumped that up. I've pumped up his dexterity after that, so that he's good at avoiding stuff because that is important to me. His and AC is insane. His AC uh, standard is sixteen. With his mage armor, it's nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but then. <laughs> through adventuring i've got him not only a ring of protection which boosts it by one uh he's also got his staff of defense which has 10 charges in it and it's one charge to cast mage armor two charges to cast shield so he's got a free mage armor a day and at least three free shields which is always helpful it's good blow my nose i'm really sorry Honestly, the pollen today is awful. <laughs> he's also, uh, yeah. So that's so that's running his AC. He's also got a few other items. Like he's running, um, he's got he's miss, missing an arm, so he's got a special arm that he's got through adventuring that's got some attacks to it. Um, and he's also rocking a ring of comprehend languages, which doesn't need attunement, so that's great. Now, because his intelligence is so high, he can at level eleven prepare eleven spells, the max he can do. And he is a kleptomaniac for magic. I counted this the other day. I have in his spellbook 46 spells. <laughs> so he just spends all of his time finding magic and then all of his money writing that into his book. So he is just rocking it. And he's got a really good, uh, a really good across the board kind of like what I can pick, what I can, what I can choose each day. A nice um, array. And- yeah, that, thank you. That's what I'm looking for. But through his story as well, he was gifted some magic by kind of selling his agency. Um, so he's gifted a load of spells, some knowledge. So he's got his, you know, fireballs, his lightning bolts, his counter spell, his slow, all the, you know, fly, haste, tongues, all that kind of stuff that you would expect. Magic, missile, chromatic orb. He's got all of that. But because I've been able to kit him out, I've also got some fun things in here that I've never used before. So I've got things like Unseen Servant and Silent Image, which I've never used. Tensor's Floating Disc, which I've never used. I also love picking ritual spells so that I can cast them anytime. But it's a, as a wizard, like, oh my god, get those ritual casting spells. Well, it's interesting because of his magic items, like he's 
normally, I, I mean, Abjuration's a really good sub-school, right, for, for defense. It's really good. But, I mean, he is well beyond what an Abjuration Wizard could dream of because of the magic items, but also because, like I say, because you go first in combat, that's so important as a wizard because you don't get engaged, you know. You can back up 30 feet, sling your hypnotic pattern or your fireball or whatever and be pretty safe so like that is a, a really good defensive option in and of itself and then on top of that you can add a plus four to any saving throw you need to make which is great you can add a if somehow you run out of shields you can add a plus two to your ac should you need it which will probably get you over the line almost all the time with how high your ac is now anyway so he's just like a it's weird like from the beginning, we just started throwing Orlo to the front of the pack. And just, <laughs> yeah. like, just started tanking everything. Well, that's the thing. He's also got a sword. So he's now through... Um, of and his, he's, he's decent playing... with it. Yeah. Well, he's playing in um, in the Dragon Heist game, but because I run that, he doesn't really play. So he only comes out and and, and is an actual character when James takes over, because obviously we share the world, as we've talked before about in previous episodes. So he's now through interaction with the party. He's getting Lilith, one of the other characters, to teach him how to fight with a sword so that he can actually become better. But because I built him so focused on, um, you know, being offensive, Mm -hmm. I had to find some things in there to make him useful outside of combat. So now I've got those nice little uh, uh, secret little tucked away spells. I've got um, rope trick, I've got locate object, magic mouth, detect thoughts. Um, He's got a spell of his own that he's created, which is basically a better um, witch bolt. He's got Melf's Minute Meteors, which is my new favourite spell. Um, Clairvoyance, Sending, you know, all of these little things that he can use. Invisibility, obviously, Knock, Arcane Lock, they're big ones. Things that he can use in the Dragon Heist game when he's needed. So he's become quite a nice little all-rounder powerful wizard. Now, what I do need to do and what I'm working on um, with James, and it costs me a lot of money and a lot of time and two spell slots per day, is I'm crafting a new ring which combines the Staff of Defense and the Ring of Protection, so that I can keep the builds at the same, but free up one of those achievement slots. Um, the downside is that it has less uh, charges in it, so and it regains less charges too. So I won't be able to do the things with it as much, but it's going to free up an achievement slot. Um, it's, a so fun way to, day... it's a fun way to be flexible with magic items as well, because it stops, it stops players just like selling stuff once you know they don't use them anymore or it stops them just giving them away which i kind of think takes the special nature of magic items away so it's nice that you can kind of uh it kind of reminds me of um accessories in like terraria where you're just like <laughs> doing these mental build trees trying to combine as many as you can but we've got a nice little uh, system that james and i came up with on how crafty magic item items works so he's basically being a guinea pig and testing that out. And uh, I really like it. It costs a certain amount of money. You have to have the spell slots to do it. You have to do it. You know, you have to spend that amount of money each day and you have to roll. And if you get too low, like you just, you don't progress. But if you do progress, you, you have a chance of progressing more than you intended to. So there's a nice little system. And once we've really tested it out, um, I think we can talk about it a bit. But so he's trying to do that. The only other thing he's got in him, which I really like as a war wizard at six level, you get power surges. So you store um, a maximum number equal to your intelligence modifier, which is for him is five. Um, and then whenever you successfully dispel a spell or counter spell a, a spell, you gain one of those power surges. And then if you end a short rest and you have space for, you can gain one. So then once you've got those all stored up, I think he's got like five now because he hasn't used them. Once per turn, if you deal damage, you can extend, you can expend one of the surges and deal force damage to half your level. So that's a guaranteed extra three at the moment damage for every surge that he uses, which is nice. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I always find the war the war mage is like a weird subclass in that it literally has like okay, amazing ability, and then eh, kind of bad ability, and then amazing a bit, and then eh, kind of bad. It's like really in the middle. I mean, overall, I think it's quite good. Uh, just from the stuff you get like the initiative thing in itself is just oh, just really really nice um similar with like blade singer gets a lot of real nice defensive buffs like that um i mean for me i'm playing a a, a thief rogue in dragon heist and i've tried thief is generally not the best subclass for rogue it, it's kind of underpowered um but 
what's nice about it is you have an ability called fast hand so basically you can use an object you can um Oh, what is it? Yeah, use an object. You can use thieves' tools. Like you can pick a lock. You can pickpocket someone, whatever, as a bonus action, right? So, your really your limitations are how creative can you get with this? So, I've tried to sort of work with with the the DMs here to create some homebrew uh, items and options for me to use that would really maximise this ability and the use of a bonus action in combat. And it's difficult because. You can't necessarily attack with it, but you can use things like uh, like a alchemist flask, which is essentially an attack, but it's actually not. It's use an object, right? So there's like kind of a grey area there where you can play in. And so he's used things like um, he's got a little contraption that shoots like pulverized glass in people's faces and uh, makes them blind. It does a bit of damage, but primarily the keys to make them blind. He's got like a bit of a like a glitter bomb for identifying. Um, Individ uh, invisible targets and he's got like this big stun grenade basically now uh, and so these are all stuff he can do on a bonus action and it's not particularly OP because they're very limited in quantity and it takes him ages to kind of reload this stuff as you can imagine you've got to kind of be careful with a uh, pulverized glass and uh, magnesium and things that he's he's bought for this stuff so that's been fun but it's made him quite unique as well which is what I really enjoy about it I really enjoy that he brings something different to each encounter. Yeah, and I, I that's the main reason I love the rogue in this setting is because you can... I just like the physical nature of, okay, how am I going to break into this place? How am I going to be stealthy here? And what items can I actually use to uh, alleviate some of these like really difficult checks? You know, How can I break this glass window making no noise and I can do different things? Like, So that's what I enjoy about, about him. I mean, for me, I wish the thief was kind of a bit better designed so for instance like you you have an ability where you can climb uh, at normal speed instead of half speed and you can jump slightly further i think uh, and it's called second story works it's all about being able to climb over buildings go from rooftop to rooftop very efficiently problem is when you come up against now gem most dms should let you climb i reckon most buildings without a check right because you only really institute a check whether when a surface is particularly slippery or there's a real lack of handholds or anything like that but most of these like buildings in water deep they've all got ledges and and gutters and that sort of thing right so it's just a case of so that yeah the speed comes in handy there but most of the time when you're climbing you're actually not in combat so the speed bonus is sort of i don't know it's not really as um as useful as it could be i think um and then on top of that you've got the fact that all these checks are procked off of um athletics instead of dexterity which is not optimal yeah that doesn't make much sense really when you think about it yeah it just it i don't know i don't like it because he has a really bad... Well, he doesn't have a great strength. I've put an... I think I've put a proficiency or maybe an expertise into athletics to bump it up. But it's still not great because he he's not... He's a dexterity build character, not a strength. And you can't really pick both. It's not... That's not optimal. And so when it does come to a lot to these checks, which do happen, he, he often is trying to climb difficult stuff. He... His subclass, he should excel at it. But he's not. He's not actually that particularly great. And to be fair, Triumont came up with a fairly decent alternative. Um, he did a series where he basically he modified pretty much every class. Well, he just did his own hack of D&D where he went through and anything he felt that needed change in certain subclasses and stuff, he would, he would go and change. And what he did is he basically, as part of the ability, any athletics checks that involve climbing or jumping, you change around to be dexterity checks. And that basically solves the issue. Because now your all your climbing checks and that you will be quite good at because you will have a high dex. So that's actually, I mean, that would be a fun homebrew. I think we could implement. Um, it's not really that necessary, but it's uh, it's just something that'd be cool. But what I have done with him as a character is specced into a single level of wizard. The main reason I did that is because he was as much as I love the idea of being this no magic 
um, sort of boots on the ground, rustic, just uses tools and his wit, thief. It's pretty hard to do in a magical world. Um, you are basically just debuffing and disadvantaging yourself by not using obviously useful tricks. In... You do come up against a lot of magical protections and magical traps and and you need someone there who can just go oh, i'm gonna wave my hand and get rid of that for you exactly like it's super useful but so he's only got level one spells but he has got really useful stuff so one he's got featherfall which should he ever need it which is very handy when he does a lot of climbing and a lot of jumping off of stuff um he's got a lot of rituals though as well like he's got detect magic so whenever i would go into a dangerous place or a heist or whatever i put up detect magic and then for the next 10 minutes i'm gonna be able to find those traps and and things like that which is good so he's got he's got a lot of utility there but one of the main reasons i got it and you could have got this if you did magic initiate as well that was another option i could have got a level eight or whatever is you get um, booming blade or green flame blade, and yeah. I, I feel like these that that the Sword Coast Adventures Guide was sort of inadvertently like the best book to ever come out for for D and D builds because having these melee magic attacks just completely opened up the game for different build options and and it's things. It's funny as well because it's the book that I forget about every time. Yeah. And and obviously they were made for the um, the blade singer, but the thing is they're not actually that useful for the blade singer because the blade singer gets two attacks. So then you're losing an attack if you use them. But on single attack, like it made things like um, taking a two paladin dip with sorcerer viable. Yeah, I only get one attack, but I can booming blade that every time. Now it kind of becomes worth it, um, especially on a paladin that's only ever going to get two attacks. Um, but in this case. It was really good because I felt that I think a rogue after about level four, the damage begins to drop off. It's not impressive anymore. Your sneak attack, uh, it, it just about keeps up with the party, but you're not a particularly high damage dealer, which is fine. It's not necessarily your niche, but I was finding that I was dropping off more so than I wanted to. Right. And uh, especially because he uses a dagger, like it'd be more optimal if maybe he used like a longbow, which he can do because he's proficient because he's an elf, um, or like a hand crossbow with two attacks, or even a rapier, which is a D8. He uses daggers just because thematically, I think it's cooler for a, a rogue to use daggers, right? And he has a magic dagger that returns to him when he throws it, which is nice. But a dagger's a D4, so that's not optimal. But when you get Booming Blade, because Rogue is only ever going to have one attack, you can just stick that on every one of your attacks, and it's just an extra D8 damage. And if you look at it, the, the amount it slows you down, so you're slowed down by one level on your um, on your sneak attack damage, and if you were essentially to take it to 20, you would lose out, I believe, on... Or maybe you wouldn't. Or you, well, you'd get like your final D6 um late right or you're always going to get be getting your next d6 one level late but i've gotten a d8 just from taking this one level dip in wizard from the booming blade so already it's worth it and if they move that's another 2d8 right and then when i get to level 11 that'll be 2d8 initially and then i think what like 3d8 when they move so and because cantrips go up with your total character level there's literally no downside to taking this dip in wizard. It actually upped my DPS, not lowered it, which is like just a, a real fun synergy, I think. And it, if you, if you didn't want to do that, you could um, obviously take arcane, arcane trickster. It's a real good combo if you want to have that uh, wizardy flavor, but you don't want a multi-class. Or like I say, just take magic initiate. Uh, I was so tempted just to take familiar because it's so useful. But <laughs> yeah, I, but we've got I, like uh, three familiars in this party. Uh, uh, yeah, everyone's like a hair. If I had it, I'd be pulling it out, Joe. Everyone's a special snowflake in our party with their special animal friend, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I won't do that. I, I really wanted to do it just to also, piss you off. Let's but... not forget that you have uh, Squidly, the urchin child, as your basic adopted son slash. Yeah, he's he's like a pet familiar. Yeah, you just send him in. You don't care about him. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad because you, there are many times you could have almost killed him yeah but he's fine he's a hardy young boy and he's got to learn the ways of the world that's uh, true besides he's got that one thing where he can just negate all damage in one attack so he's, yeah once a once a combat I think he's, it is. Got, he's got a lifeline ben 
you know? He's got to phone a friend, basically. He's fine. <laughs> but He's wait, fine. I'm a kid. But that's a real fun build. I'm, I'm, I don't know, it's tricky because I kind of don't want to take the next level in, um, in Rogue just because you just get expertise again. It's yeah. kind of unappealing. I, I kind of have expertise in all the skills I want, right? So just getting two more plus, what would it be? Plus threes, I think, um, with my proficiency bonus. It's just like, eh. And then seven, yeah, you get evasion, which is good. That's handy because, you know. Yeah, that is good. Dexterity saving throws, they come up quite a bit. But I almost want to just take more wizard, you know. I want to get, because if I get, if I get second it. level spells, man, then I get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of invisibility. The one cool thing about Thief that people do overlook, though. Yeah. If you go straight Thief and you get to, I believe it's level 14, which no one takes Thief to, because that's crazy, uh, <laughs> you can use magic items. And I mean any magic item. There are no that's... longer there are no longer class restrictions. So you want your Thief with your robes of the Magi? Do it. You can cast any... I'm pretty sure... I'm not sure how this works, but I'm pretty sure you can cast any scroll as well that you find, yeah. which is handy. You you want some cleric gear. You no, want wait. special no. warlock gear. Scrolls are if it's on your spell... I think it's if it's on your spell list, you can cast mm. it. So. I, I did read a bunch about this online, because I know there was debates on, thorns, on uh, forms about it. Let me open up and... Uh, so I'll while get, you're looking, I'll get that, the I'll get the exact me, word in. Let me just pull this computer over here and tell you about my other character really quickly. So, Good. Uh, where is he? Where is he? The special snowflake. So I'm running um, in descent. I'm a hexblade warlock. So his name is Clarath. He is uh, he's pretty good. So we did. I'm, I don't know what we did for stats, but I'm looking at at level nine. Strength 13, Dex 16, Con 16, Intelligence 14, Wisdom 15, Charisma 20, which is obviously where you want to be. Um, and the plan is to get him to level 11 in Warlock and then take a two-level Paladin dip hmm. um, just to get those nice spell slots and those lovely smites and things. Um, but taking him to... I've literally just leveled him up to level 9, so I've just got fifth level spells so he's got a nice little spell list he's got five invocations now obviously as a hexblade and a warlock in general running the things you'd expect agonizing blast improved pack weapon thirsting blade for those two attacks and then eldritch smite um is nice 1d8 per level spell slot that you expend now he's only got two spell slots but they're fifth level so that's 5d8 on a hit that's nice um and if i'm going into paladin just kind of thematically like it makes me feel good yeah it's i mean paladin's so great anyway but it's that is it's a good combo because you take a paladin which is normally multi-attribute dependent and he's now become single attribute dependent just on charisma which is really really nice um i've also for my fifth invocation i wasn't really sure what to take i kept looking at them and that because there are some really nice uh, I think it's level 15, they're locked behind, it might be 14. Really nice ones locked behind that level, but obviously at ninth, it's like, well, you know, pick from what's left of what you haven't already got. So I took Sculpture of Flesh, which just lets me cast Polymorph once using a spell slot until I, between every long rest, which isn't bad. It's not a bad little spell. Save or suck, you know. Um, Spell-wise, I've got him on Arms of Hadar, always a good one. Uh, Branding Smite is nice. I've given him fly, which usually isn't very effective for Warlock because you can get an invocation unless you levitate and stuff, which is usually all we need. But um, it's been very helpful in our adventure. So I've kept that on him. Hypnotic Pattern, obviously. Um, Thunderstep, obviously. He's got Sickening Radiance, which I misread the first time. And I was like, oh, I thought I thought Sickening Radiance came out of you, but it doesn't. It's an area of effect. So I don't know if I'll keep that. I've only used it once, but it is quite nice. It's quite powerful. Um, Banishment, I use all the time. Blight is very powerful. And because he follows a devil uh, as his god, he's got Infernal Calling and Mm. Synaptic Static as well. Well, Warlock's interesting because as you level up and your spell slots get higher and higher, 
becomes difficult to justify certain spells. Like, yeah, shield yeah. is great on a warlock, but do you want to spend a fifth level slot on it? <laughs> probably, probably not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, you only get, I think, next level I get another spell slot, so then I'll have three. Like, oh my god, what a luxury! <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It's got, but it, it, with warlocks, it all depends on how much you short rest. Yes, and you know what I find I don't use often is the um, the hex ability that they have the. I oh, what it's, well, the, the Hexblade's curse. curse. Yeah, I always forget that I've got that, and I always forget to use it. And I know I could build it, it, invocations and spells around that, but I just haven't. Hmm. And I just I like it's there. And if we're in a big fight, and I remember it's there, I'm like, oh, I'm going to drop it on someone. But really, the other one as well, because we're in hell, I have the ability to, if we kill a humanoid, I can bring him back as a specter, and then he's with me for. Uh, until your next long rest so when you kill a humanoid you're like okay i'm just gonna get a little puppet that i can just send out into danger which is nice but it's nice especially when you're in like mega hazardous environments exactly problem is we're in a mega hazardous environment where there's no humanoids so i haven't used it once that is a kind of downside of the um of the hex i mean everything else about the hex is so good though it sort of offsets it but i just found as well the clarification oh uh jezza crawford here just saying the intent of use magic device does allow a rogue to try and use a scroll now this is insane because and it's so good if you actually get there because then you you generally a rogue's going to want a fairly decent intelligence anyway just because um investigation is quite an important uh skill for rogues to have so you have, say you have a decent, say maybe you have a 14 to a 16 intelligence or something, right? That's reasonable, I think, especially at level 14. Let's say it's 16, and then you get expert proficiency and expertise. You bang those both into um, Arcana. So then what have you got? You've got, say, what, what would that be there? At level 14, that's probably going to be a plus 4 um, proficiency, maybe even a plus 5. I can't remember. Probably plus five, actually, I think. Uh, so then that's going to be, what, that'll be a plus 13 to your uh, Arcana checks. So, bruh, you can pretty much, you can cast a ninth level scroll, and what, you only need to roll a, what, a, a six? Uh, yeah, a six. Um to uh, to cast that ninth level scroll and not waste it. I mean, how crazy is that? You could literally just your action economy is just golden now with the things you can do. Just you could just be getting scrolls all the time, and yeah, they're one use. But once you're getting into these high levels, man, you've got the cash. You can afford to get scrolls made and and to acquire them and whatnot. And you just have a scroll. I mean, and what's so great is the rogue, which normally is not going to be using his concentration for anything can now use it to concentrate on a spell that's just another resource the party can now pull on i mean imagine the rogues casting uh, just great invisibility on himself and he's just permanently invisible all the time you know uh, attacking always has has advantage like that's so good and that's basically you that's guaranteed with that amount of arcana you can roll a one and still cast that spell. <laughs> it's like so good. And the fact that you can cast cleric spells, healing spells, whatever, you know. Um, so the thief is a really weird subclass in that it's like kind of, eh. And then you get to that level, then it's like, whoa. And then the, the 17th level is, is really, really good. You can just take two turns at the start of combat. You, you take one turn and then you take your next turn at your, like, your initiative minus 10. Just two turns, just double sneak attack at the start. It's just, oh, so it makes me want to play in like almost like a one shot, like a level twenty thief, just to see, just to see how viable it is. Obviously, I'd have to have loads of items and things to make it worthwhile. We could do that though. We could definitely do that. Just build out. I'll build out a mega heist. You build out a twentieth level thief. Uh, and I saw that you want. I saw the criticism online. People were like, well, yeah, okay, you can use all these magic items, but yeah, if you do get us stuff of the magi whatever you're going to give it to the wizard not to the rogue i'm like yeah no. but but how many hand-me-down items are there in D D? loads the, yeah well okay maybe i don't get the staff of the magi but i still get the staff of fireballs or whatever that the, the wizard <laughs> was using like it's still pretty good um yeah you still benefit from it it, yeah, so but if, a, but if you're the thief one. and you find it, you can say, "Well, I can use this, so why can't I have it?" 
You know, I just, there's, there's a yeah. precedent to say I have the ability, so no, I want it. It's it's cool because um, I just love it from a thematic standpoint as well. As the thief has just stolen so much stuff, he's just like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah, spell <laughs> yeah. scroll. Oh, I've seen enough of these. I can figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, mate. Well, look, we've talked a lot. Let's um, let's leave it there because um, I'm about to blow my nose really, really loud, and I don't want that on the recording, so it'll be horrible. But um, uh, yeah, tell us all about your builds because we've only really talked about a handful of them there, and I'd love to hear ones that we haven't talked about. Like, how do you make a really good monk? I'll challenge you with that. You can mm. um, get in touch with us at Twitter. We're at We Speak Common. Our emails We Speak Common at Hotmail dot com. And if you see us on Reddit, it's usually me. So. Mm get in touch let us know and i want to know if they're are good i mean are they Go good on. sorcerer builds and i don't mean like paladin sorcerers warlock sorcerer. i mean where the focus is on being a sorcerer okay uh, is there a build that just would make me think i would pick that over a wizard you interesting all right if we and if we don't hear anything we'll just assume the answer is no yeah okay cool all right well um i'm gonna go and uh finish oh well, i'm gonna put away my lunch date thank you for joining me for lunch joe that was very very fun um uh, no problem mate no problem anytime, <laughs> anytime. blow my nose and then i'm gonna dm you a really good game so get ready for that mm-hmm. very good very see good. you thanks for listening today if you like the podcast do us a favor leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends you can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. Free Music Archive.